All right. Dear loving and kindly Father, thank you for another wonderful day. Thank you for all your many blessings, Lord, and everything you do for us. Please bless us and be with us during this uh, part of the service. Send us your Holy Spirit in a special way. Thank you for all your many blessings. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry, I didn't warn you. I was going to pray. I just kind of started praying. Um, so I've been reading this. Um, I've read this book on preaching, and they said that when you start, you should start with something that everybody can agree on. And, and so how many of you have dreams? Okay, everybody's not raising their hands lying. So if raise your, okay, so I'm assuming you've all had a dream. Okay, so now that we've, I've had a dream, you guys have had dreams, you guys have to listen to everything I say. Just kidding, that's not how it works. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, I actually um, dream every day, I think, uh, but I don't usually remember them, whereas my wife dreams pretty much every day and she remembers them, and she likes to tell me about them, and it's great. Um, but there's one, there's one, um, there's a type of dream, right? There's lucid dreams, which is like you realize you're dreaming, you can go and do all these cool things because you know you're dreaming. I don't know how to do that, but some people do, and that's super cool. Um, there's another kind of dream, and it's called a reoccurring dream. How many of you have reoccurring dreams, right? How many of you have reoccurring dreams, and you know, like, based on the circumstances that are going on in the day or your life at that time, you can guess that that dream's going to happen that night? Has anybody ever got that to that point? When I was younger... I had this reoccurring dream that would happen only when it was daytime, I was on a road trip and I would sleep in the car. And it literally happened like four times. So it got to the point, and so I don't know if it was the, the circumstances or if I just thought it was gonna happen and because it was in my brain, it would just happen. But it was, it's kind of a weird dream. It's not necessarily, it's not a bad dream, but it's kind of not necessarily a good dream. And the dream is that I, I wake up like I'm in the car that I'm driving in, and, but I can't move. And so I'm laying down, my arms are super, and I can't move. And the only other really thing I remember, there's two other things I remember. And the other only really thing I remember is like my teeth all feel loose. And that's not a very comfortable, it's like I'm biting really hard and my teeth feel all loose. But I can't move and I can't talk. And so I can't say help, right? And it's, it's a really weird dream, but that's kind of like... A reoccurring dream. So anytime I knew I was going to be on a road trip and I knew I was probably going to nap in the back seat, I knew I was going to have that dream. And it probably happened three or four times. Um, and that got me think. I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. And there's times, I think, in our lives where it feels like even like we can't talk or even if we are talking, we're not heard. Does that make sense? Right? So you, you don't feel like you're being heard. Or so maybe you're a kid and you need your dad to listen to you and he's not listening to you because he's busy. I'm not talking to Ivan, I'm talking to Isaac. And, um, or, or maybe you're at work and your boss doesn't want to listen to you. Or maybe your spouse is having some trouble uh, hearing what you're trying to say. And so there's that. So like you're, you feel like you're not being heard. But it can be worse, right? You could be in a situation where nobody wants to hear you. And that's way, way worse than being in a situation where someone just is busy or distracted, right? That can be much more negative. Maybe your spouse doesn't care what you have to say. Or maybe your friend doesn't care what you have to say. If that's the case, they're probably not your friend. Maybe your boss doesn't care what you have to say. And so that's kind of a, a sticky situation to be in, right? But it comes, and it's an issue for us because I think that at the root of it all, we all desire to be heard by somebody, right? And, and I think that desire to be heard can be summed up a little bit differently, right? Our desire to be heard rests on top of a deep personal need. So for example, um, there's, something, it doesn't, there's something like you, you're at work, right? 
and you really have this thing at work that you need to get done and you know the right way to do it and your boss doesn't listen to you. That could be a, a personal need. You really, really, really um, enjoy spending time with your spouse and you need them to listen to you and so that can be a deep personal need. It, the, the need can vary, but the reason you want to be heard is because you have a need. Does that make sense? Um, but what we're going to get into today is kind of a little bit more spiritual, right? I think spiritually we all have a need, and that need is a relationship with God or a connection, right? We have this, with, this emptiness that we, we all have, and we all get it. And sometimes we try to fill that need with, with worldly things. But the truth is that earthly solutions to fix deep personal needs are only ever temporary. Does that make sense? And so we're going to pick up a story in Mark chapter 10. Most, uh, all the verses are on the screen, but if you'd like to follow in your, in your Bible, that would be great. Uh, but Mark chapter 10, we're going we're gonna to dip into a story and uh, kind of try to solve uh, this problem. Right? So Mark chapter 10, um, this is after the transfiguration. Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem for Passover. This, in, 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 in Mark's account, um, this is the last story before the triumphal entry, right? And so they've passed through Jericho, and we're going to read that in a second, um, but they've passed through Jericho, and there's this one last little story that we get before the triumphal entry happens and pretty much the, like the last week of Jesus' life, okay? So, so it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Why did a large crowd follow him? Huh? For healing. They also know he's going back to Jerusalem, and they think that this is the time. They think he's ready to take his kingdom. So they've got this large crowd following them. Um, and a blind beggar named Bartimus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Right? And so a, a, little, a little note about blind people, right? Blind, blind people in the Bible, they couldn't... I have a water bottle... Uh, blind people uh, couldn't read. They didn't have Braille yet. And so the only thing that they knew about the law and spiritual things is things they could hear, remember, and recite. They also weren't really... So they weren't really respected religiously because they were viewed, viewed as people that could just only repeat people. Um, and then they weren't... You know, they couldn't work, and so they, they, they would have to beg. And they would usually have very few belongings. They'd have a coat, which we're going to talk about more in a little bit. And... Um, just whatever people were able to give them, right? And so, but this was Jericho, and so Jericho was a pretty prosperous town, and so you could do pretty good as a beggar uh, sitting outside of Jericho, even a blind one, maybe even especially a blind one. Uh, but we're going to go into the next verse. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy mercy on me. So he wants to be heard. What is his need? He wants to be healed. So, but remember, they're going to Jerusalem. They're like, oh, the Jesus is going to be crowned king. We're, we need to go, and we have this guy that's slowing us down. So how do you think the, the... So we see how the crowd is reacting to him, but just imagine being someone in that crowd. No, don't you... Like, he can heal you later. Like, we're going to go, we're, we're going to go make him king. He can heal you later. Don't you understand that? It's kind of like the, the father... Um, 
with the daughter that's sick and the, the widow with the issue of blood shows up and, and Jesus stands there and lets her tell the whole story and he's like over here freaking out because he knows his daughter's sick. It's very similar, right? But maybe even more so because they're ready for Jesus to take the kingdom. They're sick of these, these tired, these Romans, right? So this is a royal procession, right? At the close of Jesus' earthly ministry that they're, that they're on and that they see this, this beggar that's just interrupting it and so they tell him to be quiet, right? Um, but... Bartimaeus' desire to be healed persists through his silencers. And sometimes when you have that deep desire, you have to persist through whatever those silencers are that are in your life. And so we continue the story. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Okay, so I'm, what I'm curious, and maybe it's not clear in this story, and this story is mentioned in two other Gospels, and maybe it's a little bit more clear here, is, is it these are the same people? So they tell him, cheer up, they said, he's calling you. So is that the same group of people that told him to be quiet, or is there like a, a group that's more disciple? Maybe it was the disciples that told him, oh, no, he's calling you, and come, because maybe they're a little nicer now than they were to the kids. But I don't know. So it, that's interesting to me, and I don't know the answer, but I figured I'd just throw that out there. And so... He threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And he says, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Right, so Jesus, like, usually when you're thumbing through the Gospels and you have a red-letter Bible, you have, like, pages of red, 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 and a little black little black. This, if you look at it in your Bible, is actually like a ton of black, and Jesus says three small little things, right? So what is Jesus? Did anybody notice the title of the sermon? Come, ask, and go. Jesus gives him three things, right? So first he says, tell him to come to me. And if you think about it, he's blind, there's a whole lot going on, but he hears that Jesus is there, and instead of Jesus going to him, Jesus wants Bartimaeus to go where the last place he heard Jesus was. Jesus, in our lives, knows what we've been through, and he understands our situation. And he's going to come just close enough. He's going to come just close enough to where you have to act on his invitation. He's going to get right up to the door. He'll even knock on the door, but you have to open the door. So he's, it's, you have to respond to Jesus' invitation. And the next, right, we must put our desires before Jesus, right? So he says, what do you want me to do for you? Did Jesus know he was blind? Was it probably very obvious that he was blind? And it was probably very obvious what, Jesus wanted, uh, what he wanted Jesus to do, but Jesus still made him ask. And why? Do what? Asking you shall receive. Jesus wants him to ask because it's to show faith. You have to ask God what you want, what you need. You need to ask those things for God because if you're willing to ask for them, then you should have some simple little bit of faith that you think that those things are actually going to happen for you, right? And lastly, after Jesus heals him, he tells him to go. Your faith has healed you. Jesus didn't heal him, right? His faith that Jesus could heal him healed him. And so he asks you to return to life, acting as though the thing you asked for has already happened, right? So you have to come, ask, and go. And those are the three things um, 
uh, Jesus did. So Jesus, right? Jesus' solution to our need is a three-step process, which we've just covered. Come to him, ask, acting on his invitation, ask for help, claiming promises, and go because our prayers have been answered. That should have said prayers. Prayer has been answered. I guess it works out. But I want to pick up a couple more details on this story uh, before we finish up. So it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. I, when you're a beggar, right, your coat is a lot of things to you. Your coat is warmth. Your coat is protection from the elements. Your coat is your bedding. And your coat is something else. So when we're going to pretend this, this, this fur thing is, is my coat, and I'm a beggar, and I don't have a cup because I'm super poor, right? And so what they would do is they would sit on the side of the road. I'm sorry if you can't see me. But they would put their coat out in front of them, and people were coming by, and they would drop the money on the coat. Okay? So the, 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 the coat represents his means to support himself, or his means to get help from other people. I lost my thing. One second. So the, when I first read this story and I saw the coat, I was like, oh, he throws away his coat and picks up Jesus' righteousness, which is true, but the coat is more than that. The coat could be his own works to keep himself warm, safe, and fed, right? The coat, the coat is so important to the story because when he, sees the, when he has the call from Jesus, he throws it aside. And so... You know, we live in America, we live in the United States, and we're awfully blessed. We, you know, some of us might even have walk-in closets. And so I have a question. How many coats do you have? But I'm not asking about physical coats. How many coats do you have that are keeping you from following Jesus? Um, my wife and I... Uh, like to try to declutter our house sometimes, and we do good for a few days. Um, but we all, we're really good at getting rid of clothes, but then we're really good at getting more clothes. Um, but it's, when you first try to get rid of all your stuff, if you've ever tried to get rid of all your clothes, you go, oh, how could I possibly get rid of all these coats or all these clothes? We're just going to use coats because that's kind of my analogy right now. And there's something that you can say to yourself, and you can say, it's okay if I get rid of this coat because I have more and so sometimes Jesus calls us to live this Christian life and we have these, all these coats that are built up and keeping us from really doing what he needs us to do and we'll let go a few of them because we still have more, right? And then, and then maybe he gets our attention and goes, oh, okay, so we get, we get rid of more, we get rid of more, we get rid of more. And I, you know, ideally I think I could get away with four coats, right? I could get a sports coat for if I have to be up front, a, a light jacket for when it's kind of chilly, a heavier, thicker jacket for when it's kind of cold, and a, something for keep me dry when it's raining, right? And I can get away with three, four coats, and I can put most of them on if it's super cold, and, and it'll, it'll be fine, right? You layer. It's nice. But Jesus wants you to get rid of all of your coats, and even that last one that you're saving for a rainy day, and even that last one that you're saving for when it's super cold outside, he wants you to get rid of that too. These are spiritual coats, not real coats. Please don't throw your coats away. But if you do, we are passing out to the homeless next week, and we could definitely use some coats. So, how many coats do you have? We have to come to Jesus with an empty closet. 
nothing holding us back between, nothing between us and him holding us back, or nothing we're dragging behind us holding us back. And if we're going to get wings, how are you going to wear a coat? Because that's going to be weird, right? Um, One more thing I wanted to uh, pick up on before we're done, and we're almost done. The name, right? So when you're reading a Bible story, names are so important because they can give you so much information. What does Bartimaeus mean? You remember the, the story in the Bible where Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Simon bar Jonah? Bar means the son of. So Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. So Bar, son of Timaeus. What does Timaeus mean? This is hard to find because if you Google it, it just says, it, it, it knows that you're looking at this story and it just says, oh, the son of, the son of, the son of. But if you, if you look hard enough, it means son of the highly prized. Bartimaeus means son of the high, highly prized. He calls out another name. What, is, what does Bartimaeus call out? He says, Jesus, son of David. What, is son of, what does David mean? David means beloved. So the son of the highly prized is calling out to the son of beloved for mercy. The son of the highly prized is calling out to the son of the beloved for mercy. In John 17, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, for those that you have given me. And later on he says that I hope that they're like we are. Right? So, Jesus is the Son of God. He is highly prized and he is beloved. But God looks at us like he looks at Jesus. And so we are highly prized. We are beloved. You are highly prized and beloved by the creator of the universe. And Jesus is in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary... And he's finishing his work of atonement. He's coming soon. He's getting ready. Jesus' royal procession to come back to earth, right? Jesus' royal procession back to earth is coming soon. This is the last story in earth's history before it happens. And we are told that we're blind poor and naked just like Bartimaeus but it's not to shame us it's to let us there's a difference between being aware of your sinful flesh and being aware of your sinful situation versus wallowing in it right it's not god i'm such a sinner will you please if i do right will you please help me will you please be with me no it's it's god i am highly prized and beloved And sometimes I do these things that aren't good. I get that. But that doesn't mean that you love me less. And so you can't pray like God loves you less. And you can't treat each other like God loves somebody else less either. So when... You have to be like Bartimaeus and you have to surrender those coats. You have to surrender those things that are keeping you from Jesus. And when you do... He's only going to 
reveal his character more and more to you. You're only going to fall more and more in love with him. And when you fall in love, more and more in love with Jesus, you treat others with more and more love. So always remember, surrender. Always remember, surrender. Let's pray. Dear living and kindly Father, thank you for another wonderful day. And thank you for all your many blessings. Please be with us today as we go from this place. Help us to always remember surrender and help us to make a choice in each one of our hearts today to to love you more and love each other more. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm.